Hey guys, this is episode one. We're talking Until Dawn for the PS4, a choose-your-own-adventure horror game that we both quite enjoyed. We talk a little bit of the Witcher Netflix original series, the Wonder Woman Mantraversy. And we're also talking Tales from Beyond the Pale, really, really cool radio drama that everybody needs to listen to. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to your doom. Welcome to your doom. your hosts, Atul Kachru. This is Justin Carcassoli. And uh, guys, welcome to the first episode it's ever. It's taken a long time to get here. A few different audio setups, a whole lot of USB plugins that didn't work. Yeah, I mean, it used to be just a show about a couple of assholes with broken mics, but now it's just a couple of assholes with a working mic. So Two guys, one mic. <laughs> that is... Oh, so horrifying. <laughs> so accurate. Uh, but we're using a Blue Yeti. Is that what this is? Yeah, Blue Yeti. Yeah. And you know what? It's working out really, really great. We're picking up sounds that we've never even heard before. Uh, like that one. We're also having a drink here of the Tullamud... Of the... Of the Tullamore Dew, which we mispronounce all the time, and you're going to hear us do it. All the time, mispronouncing this. Great, smooth Irish whiskey. It's delicious. We're also having a little beer here. We'll get into that a little bit later, but we're always going to be drinking while doing this podcast. Absolutely. And this podcast is uh, this podcast is mostly about just nerdy stuff, you know, like stuff that we want to talk about. Um, they're video games, comic books. We're both big comic book readers, uh, big movie goers, t- uh, you know, uh, I was about to say TV show enthusiasts, but, you know... We like TV shows, yeah. so I'm like we're you know we're not overly enthusiastic about them, but uh, but yes, uh, so it's, it's it's just a platform for us to talk about what we are interested in, and also sharing what kind of experiences we've had putting some technology stuff together. Like we could even probably do an episode of setting up a podcast because honestly, it's been an arduous journey. <laughs> it's been really tough. That is a good point. Yeah, we could actually we could actually do that. Um, uh, we we've hit a lot of roadblocks, but finally we've got a setup that works. So, yeah. By, th- by setup that works, you mean we're actually recording into something that sounds somewhat good. We have no idea how the hell we're releasing this. So if you're listening to this, it's a wonder we got it on the Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely true. We're basically just two incompetent idiots trying to get this shit out the door to get people to listen to our nonsense. And if we've succeeded, I, I guess I feel sorry for anybody who's listening to this. But if you're listening to it and enjoying it, uh, we're really happy because that's kind of like the best case scenario for us. Keep we, listening. Yeah, keep <laughs> listening. If you if we put this out there, the worst thing that will happen is that our conversations and the stuff we're into will get sort of put into a time capsule and we can go back and revisit it. In the best case, somebody's actually out there listening to it and enjoying it. So that's that's pretty much the impetus for, for the podcast. So you're going to hear a bunch of stuff. You're going to hear about technology. Justin's been working on some Cody-related stuff, trying to get Cody up and running on a Raspberry Pi. 
I've been working on some uh, poster designs for just, and, and this is all for personal use. None of this is being sold. We're not professionals in these areas. Mm-hmm. We just dabble, and uh, we feel like a lot of other people dabble too. So I was drawing uh, using Photoshop on a Cintiq tablet, drawing a John Wick poster, which I'll release on the site soon. And you guys can, I'll try to release as much of the process as I can to show you guys what I learned while making it. Um, and Justin can write, do a little write-up on uh, on Cody and how he got it to work. And really, the use case there that makes this a success story is that your wife is using Cody. My wife is using Cody. The biggest challenge for me is whenever the missus wants to watch something that we might not necessarily have local, so I've got to try and find it somewhere. Who's got you know a Crave TV subscription? Who's got right. Netflix? Who's yeah. got... Hulu, I can borrow, etc. Like it's always a chore to try and find some of this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, so Cody just kind of sets everything up for you, real easy. Yeah, yeah. And you've made and, and Cody requires there's a lot of heavy lifting to do. I think yeah. at the beginning for someone who's just getting into it, it could be overwhelming. So I think like a little guide to how to bring up Cody is is something that you you'll see as a part of the welcome to your doom sort of suite of media. Uh, in uh, presence so uh, you guys uh, have that to look forward to and you have the wonderful our sultry voices to look forward to for all these for all these great episodes that we have planned what does sultry mean sexy I think is it that many s's yes precisely 18 (laughs) 18 (laughs) 18 s's yes I think it's sexy. It's like sultry is like sexy and provocative. So basically me in a nutshell. Yeah. You exposed, not in a nutshell, so to speak. That works as well. So my nuts are not shelled. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Unshelled. You in an unshelled nut. (laughs) Jesus. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Wonder Woman. It's going to be out in two Two days? Wait. No, tomorrow. tomorrow. Dude, you're going tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going tomorrow, yeah. yeah. So I never see any movies on opening night. Um, but I've been telling anyone who has a mild interest in this film to go see it. It's very, very important. Even if the film you know, wasn't reviewed well, I think it's important that people go to see it. Because it really is a landmark movie. You've got a female-led blockbuster tentpole summer film. Yeah. And it's also directed by a woman. Right, so you've got this. Oh yeah, what a ton of money into uh, into into this, uh, and a ton of what what the studios see as risk. You know, oh, yeah. a lot of the other female-led superhero films uh, have tanked. Right, you see like Catwoman. Well, was, let's face it; it wasn't her fault. It was Holly Bear- it Well, was, whatever. It was. The, it wasn't the character's fault. All right, let's put it this way: the, the director of that film should be shot. Well, his name is Pitoff. One name like Seal and McLovin. That's just his name is Pitoff. Pitoff. That's upsetting. That's right. Who um, the fuck gave that guy a movie? Well, yeah, he's a French cinematographer, I think. Uh, and while he's good at, you know, cinematography, <laughs> I don't think taking on a whole film, especially, uh, you know, one uh, like a comic book film of a well-known property is, is necessarily his bag. Um, Clearly. Fuck. And Electra was another one that oh. just really... Just really tanked. And you know what? Studios follow the money, right? It's a business for them. So they're not going to be making these movies if they keep flopping. And Wonder Woman, obviously, has got the double whammy of being female-led, female-directed, but also being one of the big female uh, icons of modern mythology, really. So I think it's really important. I never see movies on opening night. 
I bought it, you know, my wife and I are going tomorrow night. Um, and I think it's going to be a blast. I think it's going to be great. But I just hope everybody just shuts the fuck up so that's, I can watch the goddamn movie. Yeah. Because that's what I'm really afraid of. I'm cranky that way. Um, I've gone opening night on a few movies. The two most notable ones I remember, one on one spectrum, the other on the other spectrum, right. was the first one was The Dark Knight. Was Dark Knight. The, obviously, Bale yeah, the and, Nolan, Bale yeah. and uh, Ledger. Yeah. Um, it was fucking amazing. Like, oh, really? The, it, it was to the point where, like, the crowd was, like, quiet and super into the movie, but yeah. then things would happen and they'd fucking start cheering. Yeah. And I couldn't help but cheer, yeah. too. Uh, the first time Batman comes out, it was uh, during the ambush when the the other Batman, the guys oh, with yeah, the guns, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as soon as he comes out and grabs the, the gun and bends it back or whatever, yeah, yeah. the whole crowd's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Oh, it was cool. And then Ledger comes out and he does the the, the pencil trick. Oh, dude! The whole crowd yeah. lost their shit. But other yeah. than that, like only a few moments in that movie where people were cheering, and it was legit cheers. And then the rest, everybody was super into super it. Into it. Yeah. Turn that around. Then you've got like a bunch of the other nerds watching Iron Man three with me on opening night, and I went to the midnight. And we have nothing against nerds. We're nerds. We're nerds too. No, yeah, we're nerds. It's just the yeah. the, the guys that are they're raging out like hey, Adrian Killian didn't do this, and yeah. it's like, dude, calm down, just watch the fucking movie. Oh, like they were talking. Like they were that, talking yeah, about like, oh, this isn't the scene. The, the, yeah, yeah, I was like, just that shut sucks. up. Yeah, and just getting bent out of shape about silly things like yeah. that kind of stuff bugs the hell out of me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just shut up and watch. I'll probably go see it twice because I know that there's going to be a lot of noise and you know what I don't mind that there's a vibe there my True. wife enjoys it um, uh, and I'm going to enjoy it too but I'll just go and see it again with a quieter audience yeah point. yeah yeah um, but you know I want to give them my money and on the on on the plus side it's got like what a 93% Rotten Tomatoes rating the last I saw was nine, and it might have changed since then was 94 with I think 102 reviews which is stellar crazy yeah. here's the other thing is that it's really good to be in DC it's finally like to well, be a DC let's fan. Let's not get crazy. Yet. Well, no, I'm saying the last two or two weeks have been a good time to be a DC fan. You yes. got Injustice that came, Injustice yeah. Two yeah. that came out to absolutely rave reviews across the yeah, board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman now is you know a tenor, right? It's finally like I think a lot of DC, my, myself included, a big DC fan, grew up on DC. And lo- I love the Marvel movies too, and I go to see them. And, and this is a, an amazing world we live in, where like Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the the big blockbuster films that everybody looks forward to. Biggest right? franchises out there, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love them, but you know, my heart's with DC because I, I grew up with them, and it's been tough. <laughs> it's, it's It's been tough. Like, yeah. because, you know, like, uh, you know, I liked, I liked Man of Steel. I didn't really like Batman vs. Superman. I, I sort of enjoyed the zaniness of Suicide Squad, but nothing has really blown me away. So, to, you know, to come with, uh, to come at it now where you've got a lot of people just like ripping DC to shreds, ripping Zack Snyder, new one, every turn they get. It's nice to see things turning around, just even if it's even if it's temporary. But Injustice 2, great game. We'll talk yeah. about that on the podcast for sure. We both bought copies of that. And uh, and now Wonder Woman. So the one thing I wanted to mention about Wonder Woman, and I'm getting off topic, is uh, specifically uh, in Austin, there's a place, there's a theater called the Alamo Draft House. Fuck yeah. Right? So, and I've always wanted to go there. Yeah. Um, the Animal Alamo Draft House has uh, actually scheduled two, and I'm not sure if they've already been done, um, but, you know, they are definitely scheduled, if not have already uh, been uh, been done, to all-female viewings yeah. of Wonder Woman. Yeah. Have you, did you read about this? I did, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. And... And this is just makes me really, really depressed to be a male 
sort of nerd. <laughs> but honestly, there was this it's just a shameful backlash to the fact that they were all female screenings of Wonder Woman. A lot of men got up in arms saying, what the hell are you doing? This isn't equality. This isn't... I'm like, oh my God, can you guys just not do this? Don't do this. Like, it's absolutely ludicrous. I can't help but laugh when I hear some of this shit. It's, it's... Honestly, it gives it gives everyone like male nerds a, an awful, awful name. You don't, just don't want to be associated with that, you know. No. Um, I think it's great. I think that more women need to go out to the theater to see this movie. You know, I mean, and this is the this is the audience that this movie is reaching out to. Yeah. Right. This is the audience that doesn't go to see all the Marvel movies and right. doesn't doesn't necessarily have representation. Yeah. In all exactly. of them, right? Yeah. This is as is this is as much their movie as it is, you know, like the nerd the nerd community's movie. Um and I think it's I think it's amazing that they've they they decided to do this, but they they're just all this on the Facebook, they've got all these comments up there about like how it's, you know, this it's sexist. How is it sexist? There's so many other theaters you can go yeah, to. Oh, you can't just, go to the Alamo because they're doing something positive. Yeah, oh, like, I can't go to my favorite theater. Yeah. I'm going to go to the one two blocks down. Shut the fuck up and go to the other block. And specifically, uh, Austin Mayer responds to men boycotting all female. Listen to this guy who sent. How can a man boycott an all female showing of a movie? Aren't they like? Aren't by they by default? I think by definition they're boycotting <laughs> it. Yeah. So here's what he said. He sent an, uh, uh, a letter to um, – who did he send a letter to? Okay, one such man was a writer, Richard A. Amaduri, who took it upon himself to send Austin Mayor Steve Adler an angry oh my God. letter berating him for allowing such an unthinkable event to take place. Unthinkable. Okay. Here's a little quote. Uh, I won't read uh, – you know, I'll save you most of this unless it's, <laughs> unless it's really, really good. Um I hope every man will boycott Austin and do what he can to diminish Austin and to cause damage to the city's image. Amadori wrote in a letter that the mayor posted on his official website, the theater that pandered to the sexism typical of women will... Typical! I hope hope regret its decision. The letter went on to denigrate women who allegedly accept the appearance of achievement without actual achievement. And challenge Adler to name something invented by a woman. If Austin does not host a men-only counter event, I will never visit Austin and will become will welcome its deterioration. Does Austin stand for gender equality or for kissing up to women? All right, I won't even read the rest of this. It's not worth it. It's 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 comical. This guy is a cartoon. Jesus. This guy is a cartoon. Look, this guy is he's he's an absolute cartoon. Um, and you know what? The mayor responds here. I, I, I you know, I, I hope, hope it's to, epic. I, 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 it probably is, but I'd have to read through it to find his oh, response. Jesus. And I don't, I don't want to take the time to, I can't believe I want to slow things down here, but I just want to <laughs> make it clear that it's absolutely ridiculous. You know what I was thinking to myself? I'm like, you know, if there was a movie and I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. If there was a film that took a kid with, uh, Parkinson's disease. Let's say there's some kid or some some kid with Parkinson's disease who becomes a superhero or does something amazing for his community. Feel good film doesn't have to be a superhero film. It could be like a, an uplifting like drama. Yeah. And they had a screening for folks with Parkinson's. Right. Exclusive for them. Sure. 
like, would 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 that be like a problem? Would that yeah. be would be people be, be, be up in arms because all of these you know all of these kids it's a Parkinson's only like, yeah like, like I don't screening. have Parkinson's and I want to see it boycott yeah exactly <laughs> it's it's just it's ludicrous and I I just want to bring it up I wanted to, uh, I want to know your thoughts and and uh, I don't know I just think it's fucking amazing and it just makes me sad to be uh, part of that community. Honestly, Sometimes. like it's it's it that that is crazy to me. Like, I, what a sense of entitlement that it's like I want to see the movie at the Alamo in Austin, or even it doesn't even sound this guy lived like. Well, like no, it see, it's only two showings. Like, and it's two showings before the movie's out. So there's yeah. se- there are screenings. Oh, so the early screenings. So the early screenings. So there's a sorry, okay. I, I, so I didn't, there's a I benefit didn't. to women only. Yes, it's exclusive to women. Yeah, to go and see for, this. for the for the screenings, and Austin's only do two show two showings. I think they're pre screening. Shit, you know what? I don't I think they are. I think I they, think they, they are. must be. And um, and this guy feels so. bent out of shape because the 100%. the the woman superhero who's has there been a woman superhero movie in the more modern superhero that's movies been, like, successful? Yeah. No. No. That's what I said. Electra, Catwoman. Electra and Catwoman are the only ones that come to mind. And you've got like that Black, aren't like Black second Widow. Film. Black Widow. I mean, she she's pretty entertaining, but she pales in comparison pales. to. All of the other people around her. I gotta be honest. Same with Hawkeye and stuff. So it's not just a sexist thing, but it's like they're not giving her her due. They're not giving her due. I'll be honest with you. Every scene she's in, I'm bored. Yeah. I'm really bored. I'm just like, I don't don't think I care. Right. Because I think the films treat her in that manner where it's kind of like, it feels like filler. It feels um, like feel like everything she does to stay relevant in that universe is almost very tongue-in-cheek. It's also... I, I, they're contorting. I think they're contorting it to make her more important. Yeah. Right? And I'm... It's not that that's a bad thing. It's that, you know, when I watch it, no. I'm like, I'm just gen- I'm genuinely not interested in, like, what... Uh, in her scenes or, like, her plot or her character. I'm just... Yeah. I, I'm, I, you know... They haven't spent enough time or given her enough of, like, enough of a meteor role. Um, so it's just, like, you know, I don't even count that. I think Black Widow is is... Boring. She, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd say boring, but here's the thing. Like, I compare it to like, okay, like I'll think of uh, like Morrison's run, uh, on, Grant Morrison when he was doing his first, uh, the first run on JLA. JLA, right? Early what mid nineties? It was mid nineties. Yeah. It was the, uh, the the White Martian yeah, series, yeah. right? That was awesome. Yeah. Arguably, Batman is the most useless character in the Justice League. He's got no powers. He's got yeah. some money. That's basically it. He's out of his fucking mind. He was personified as the most dangerous person in yes. the goddamn league. Yeah. And he, it, he totally owned it. Like, at a Absolutely. certain point, yeah. there was this really great panel where he breaks in. Every All the other members of the JLA were, were down. Superman's down. Green yeah. Lantern's down. All those guys are down. Yeah. And Batman's the only one just, you know, sneaking skulking around. In the, yeah, skulking about, sneaking around in the shadows. What's this little shit going to do? Even the fucking bad guys, the White Martians, yeah. are just like, eh. He's in the background. He's just, just Batman. Downfall. All right, go and get him. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just skulking around. One of them's looking for him. And then you cut to the next panel, and they're yep. like, uh, such and such hasn't reported back. Yeah, All right, yeah. let's three of us go and find him. Yeah, and they come out, scene. and there's a fucking... He, the dude, he the first dude... Strung him up. Strung him up. Yeah. is hanging there just saying, I know your secret. It's like, oh, shit, this guy's Phenomenal. badass. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, She doesn't what, have a moment like she that. She doesn't have a moment like that. She's clever. Like, that moment she had with... Lo- like like I said, it's a lot of tongue-in-cheek stuff. Like, yeah. there was the, the, the opening scene with her in Avengers, where yeah. she was just, like, 
she was tied up tied and she was chair, at yeah, their yeah. quote unquote mercy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, she takes a call from Colson and it's yeah. just like, yeah, I, you're screwing this up for me, this and that. It's cute. And it's a great moment. Same with her thing with Loki, how she yeah. kind of tricks him into telling him what his plan is or telling, telling her what his plan is. But it's just not as badass as like Iron Man's falling out of a friggin' building, and then all of a sudden he hits a button on his wrist, and then the friggin' suit flies out, yeah, chases, chases him, him, picks him up, and then he comes back and knocks Loki in the face. Yeah, yeah. There, there's just no moment of like, and, and True, it's the yeah. same with Hawkeye too. It's not a fist. There's no fist pumping moment. No, there's, there's no, no like, fist pumping moment with yeah. either of them. They have really cool moments. I do like their characters. Yeah. But they just they 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 have done nothing so far to feel in place. Yeah, yeah you know, agreed. So agreed, and I, and I think uh, I think Wonder Woman's going to change all of that. I hope so. I absolutely hope so. So it's important that everyone go to see it. And if you're upset about an all female screening of uh, Wonder Woman, then suck a bag of dicks. Sorry, you went there. I did. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? Is there anywhere else to go? Yeah, really? Right. I mean, it's just it's it's our prime minister. When somebody asked him why is half of your cabinet women, yeah. female, he said, "Because it's 2015." Yeah, like this isn't this shouldn't be an issue anymore. This that kind shouldn't of even stuff be a question. Shouldn't even be a question. Yeah, exactly. It should not. It should not be a question. Um, yeah. So that was the piece of news I brought up. The other one uh, I want to talk about briefly is uh, The Witcher Three has gotten optioned for uh, Netflix original TV series. Or yeah. sorry, when I say The Witcher 3, I actually mean The Witcher. The Witcher, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's based, The Not Witcher the 3 was game. that good that they're yeah. like, oh, let's forget those other two. Yeah, yeah that's right. I never played, um, I haven't played either. So The Witcher's actually based on a Polish uh, novels of, of the same name and they're all like extremely complex, complex characters, complex motivations, gray, moral gray area. It really is a mod, like it's a it's it's about us as a mo- like a modern society, but mm-hmm. like with the sort of coatings of a high fantasy gritty um, universe. Great games, uh, apparently great novels. I haven't read them, but we should be excited about The Witcher coming to coming to Netflix. It's gonna be, it's going to be amazing. Live and action series or I think they said live action. Okay, which brings me to the other point. Castlevania, Castlevania trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Castlevania trailer. I haven't trailer. seen it yet. Have you not? You know what? Uh, you know what? We won't you, talk you, about it. You, you, yeah, let, let let's, me see it first yeah, and actually yeah, play a game. I never, I have not played nearly enough Castlevania in my life. Well, yeah, but the the, the trailer is the one that you definitely true, true, you true. Definitely need to see. It's, I it's remember who was it? I think it was uh, Ajay was talking about, uh, or his cousin, a uh, friend of mine, uh, was talking about how violent it was and how exciting it looked. And yeah, oh dude, yeah, it's right no, up my so alley. You know who produces it? What's his name? I can't remember. Oh, Adi, uh, Adi, Adi Shankar. Shankar? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the guy who did who did Bootleg uh, Universe. Bootleg universe, the dirty laundry, oh, the dirty laundry, the Punisher. I think he did a Venom one too, or maybe not. And that he might did have been like a else. Power Rangers. The Power Rangers one was oh. good. It had fucking James Vanderbeekin was the, or James Vanderbeek. Vanderbeek, not Beacon. He's a beacon of Vanderbeek. <laughs> I'm clearly getting into the Tullamore Dew. You, which you poured yourself. I just did. Just I've been sharing Tullamore Dew in two different types of beer in my single cup because I was too lazy to get a second cup. All right. Um, so I think uh, it's time for the boss battle. Boss battle. battle. All right. I think it's boss battle. This is until dawn, where Jesus hot sauce, Christmas cakes, and fuck nuggets are all just a part of a <laughs> balanced, cliched diet.
You know, I was trying to make it funny. I think that was it. You <laughs> if you ever if you if you've played this game at all, you'll notice that some of the dialogue is absolutely just ridiculous and and Jesus hot sauce Christmas cakes is a line from this game. Was that the full line? That's the full line. Fuck me. That was the full line. What a line. Who and, wrote that? Uh, and Fuck Nuggets was also Fuck Nuggets one. was a good yeah. one. So, Until Dawn, what can we say about this game? Let's let's talk a little bit about the plot. And this is a completely spoiler-filled uh, yes. session, so we're going to get into all of the details. So, um, scram if you haven't played this game. Um, or watch the cinematics on YouTube, which people tend to do when they don't want to actually play the game and watch the game because... You spend a lot of your time watching stuff yeah. when you play this game. Yeah. It's um, basically an interactive movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a choose-your-own-adventure yes. movie. Uh, video game, the game part is definitely diminished, which yes. I'm okay with. Yeah. I'm okay with. The game itself starts off with a bunch of teenagers. You've got all your cliche teenagers up at a cabin in the mountains and it's like you know snowstorm everything's covered in snow uh it's a it takes you a ski lift you got to get up there and uh they play a really cruel prank so cruel it, it's actually like you kind of like hate these kids i yeah I'm i like, i we so we played it together and i kind of after we were done i regretted we let any of the blimp <laughs> They should have all bit the dust, based on what they did to this poor girl. Yeah, it was fucking, it was awful. It's awful. Uh, and they do it, and she gets, she gets very, very upset, and she runs out into the, into the wilderness, and her twin sister chases her, and their brother is, is, uh, passed, passed out, out. Passed the fuck out in the kitchen, I think, which tends yeah. to happen when a bunch of kids go to a cottage. It happens to me when I go to the cottage. It's his cottage. Why didn't he go to his bed? Anyways, sorry. I like sleeping in my own bed. Oh, it is his. It is his parents' cottage. Yeah, right? yeah. He's yeah. got a bed. Yeah. I mean, he just got blasted. Too much tullamadur. <laughs> and then, uh, anyway, so these these girls run out. They get chased. They fall off uh, the side of a cliff. Yeah. And they are deader than dead. And that's how the game opens up. And or this, so it may seem. That's right. And then uh, the game skips ahead a year, and the brothers trying to get everyone back together to you know. Um, face what happened to them and and to uh, get over what happened to them. Yeah. Really face their demons. So they uh, they all get together and you play as these characters individually as the game uh, as the game proceeds. They ride up the gondola up to the up to the thing. You get to do all of this interactively. You we get no we noticed there was a lot of like um, a lot of interactions while you're doing while while you're going through the game. Like there was a shooting range at some point, right? And that's the right. one thing you called out. Immediately, it was like, don't shoot any animals. Don't do anything yeah. with the wilderness. Yeah. Keep the wilderness on your side. That's right. Like, oh, okay. There was something, I can't remember what tipped me off to that, but I think there was a moment where it's it like... a squirrel. It's a squirrel, squirrel and there was a the message that came up. It's like, sometimes, you don't, when the, when the game asks you to do something, doing nothing is also an option. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, do don't fucking shoot the squirrel. It's like uh, the, the Scantron sheets, when it said, A... B or none of the above, you'd go with none of the above. Yes, why right. would they put that there? Right, but you have to select none of the above. In this game, you don't do anything. You literally don't do anything. That's technically selecting none of the above. Whatever. That's a different podcast. Anyway, Sweet. so, uh, yeah, so the game has these interactive moments. It has these moments where you're walking around as the characters, and you're switching between character to character. In the game, you reach a certain point in the game, and you switch perspectives. What I actually really loved about this is that... Uh, the characters start off 
a certain way, and a lot of them are just douchebags, right? Some of them are just awful people. Some of them are meek. But the game actually fleshes these characters out. Yeah. It plays into these cliches, but it plays into them on purpose. Yeah. I find like the writing is actually... I'm finding the writing is actually... Uh, is is trying to set the player up to think things are going a certain way. Yeah. And then you play as the character and you hear the character's dialogue, you hear him talking to himself as he's like trying to get things done, interacting with other characters. Right. And you realize you have some control over how these characters act and when you choose to have them act in the best way possible or in a way that you would, you identify with them a little bit more yeah. and when they get offed, it's an awful, awful thing. Um, I think the structure of the game follows a pretty... Not linear, but, like, it's not as many paths as decisions you are making. So you could be, like, you could be a dick to somebody in one scene and a dick yeah. to somebody else. But that might not necessarily change the the end result of the game. But what it does do is it kind of does influence conversations a little bit yes, better. So like it gives dialogue. it a different experience. Exactly. To your point of, like, uh, it flushes out the characters a little bit more based yes. on that. Does it change the end result of the game? To some degree, maybe, yeah. um, depending on the, the, the actions. There are some actions where it's like, oh, something happens. Good thing I have, like, a, a what was that, a flare gun? or a flare gun, something, yeah. yeah flare a flare gun, gun or a knife or something or like that. Or a baseball bat Exactly. Or There's yeah. something. It's like, oh, good thing I made that decision. But, like, yeah. being mean to one character, all it does is maybe in the next scene, the other person might be a little bit more mean back. Yeah. But it does give you a different experience, and everything seems a lot more interactive. They react so, accordingly. So absolutely, yeah. So the game is actually... So the game has this system called... They, they dub the butterfly effect, and, and yes, honestly, yeah. it really just, like, never lets you forget <laughs> that <laughs> system. Fucking butterflies there. everywhere. There's just fucking butterflies everywhere. It's, it's nuts. So the idea being, of course, if you make a decision, it'll have a ripple in the game, and at some point, that decision will come back to you. Yes. Uh, in some form or another. Some of them are bigger, some of them are smaller, right? And uh, also has a system of totems. Now, these totems you just find lying on the ground. Eh, I could have done without that. So, the totems are an interesting well, thing. I didn't quite... I liked the, crypti- the, the cryptic nature of the totems. Yeah. It kind of kept you on your toes when you recognize a situation. So, the, just for uh, the listeners, when you pick up a totem, you look into the totem and you see a glimpse of the future. I think that's what it is. And the totems yeah. fall into several different categories. Right. One is death. One is, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, something good. What's the word? Uh, profit? No. Uh, chance? No. Something along those something lines. Fortune. Along those lines. Fortune. fortune. Yeah, that's what it's it like is. Fortune. Yeah, fortune. Um, one is guidance. Uh, stuff like that. So so there's four, four or five, five. five categories. Yeah. And there are ones that have obvious implications. Like one category shows one character handing another character a flare gun. Yeah. That basically says, okay, when this situation comes up, this character should take the flare gun. Take the flare gun, right? yeah. Give him the stick, right? <laughs> um, and there are other ones where it's like death and there's an explosion and a body flies past the camera and you're like, I don't know what to do with that. You know, it's like yeah. the, it's, there's not enough in there for you to actually use the piece of information. So I, I it's a mixed bag. The totems are a mixed bag. There, um, there was only so, a certain category that was useful, like the flare gun the, one. Yeah. The, there was one where the girl got shot. Uh, they thought that she had turned or that she was yes. affected and she was shot and we didn't shoot her. Right. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. There was a couple that were useful. But the, the thing that, that bugged my ass, too, was 
the more totems you get, the more it unlocks kind of that that video, that video, which is right? Really cool. I thought it's that very was really cool. cool. It's yeah. super cool. It kind of gives you the whole history of like, yeah. um, you know, where what was it, the sanitarium that they yes. were testing people yeah. in, and and basically turned them into yetis, essentially. Right? Yetis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wendigo. Wendigo. That's what it was. Yetis. I'm that's just, the microphone. That's we're the using. micro. We are using a blue yeti microphone right now to and record this podcast. It is not blue. Just in case. No, it is wondering. black as night. Yeah. Um, I like it this way though. It it's actually, better. yeah, it's better. It looks sleek. Yeah. yeah. Anywho. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, back to my point. The totems, they're easy to miss. Dude. All so right. So easy. We so got maybe talk- half of them. No, 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 no. We got more than half. We were missing like okay. four, but from four different cats, we were missing like, oh, maybe, maybe. We maybe got We got more thirds. than half. Yeah, yeah we, we got, got more than half. Yeah. Two thirds. So. Still not a lot. Just to be clear, when you're collecting these totems, there's a video that's getting unlocked on the bottom, and it's kind of this recap video telling you exactly what happened at this place to set up the story. Yeah. Solves all of the riddles, right? Yeah. So um, the story is kind of chopped in two, so let's get into that a little bit. Sure. The plot itself, it's pretty interesting, but you did call it from the start, pretty much. I'm very intuitive. <clears throat> right. As I'm drinking more telemorphic. Yeah. Tullamore do. You said it wrong. Did right? I? Yeah. Tulla. Tullamore. God damn it. I'm sorry, all my Tullamore. Irish people. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so the the plot sort of starts with these kids showing up. They see evidence that someone's been there. Yeah. They see newspaper clippings of a uh, maniac on the loose. There are scenes where there's a dude in a parka with these crazy goggles and a flamethrower outside stalking them. Uh, so it's really setting up this whole maniac thing, and then there's a there's a there's a guy in a clown mask that's chasing these kids around and and uh, kidnapping them and knocking them out, putting them into these saw-like contraptions. Amongst all of this, amongst all of this, we get the one, the only, the indomitable Peter Stormare. Yes. I was waiting for you to mention Mr. Stormare. As... I still don't know what he was doing in that game. (laughs) The creepiest psychiatrist one could ever have. Creepiest computer graphic generate, like... Yeah, yeah. So so this sort of leads into the next thing. These are real actors in this game that did full motion capture and voice. Very well done, too. Very well done. um, But the game looks amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. At certain angles. <laughs> there are angles in this game where I'm like, I am I am convinced I'm watching a real, like, these look like real people. Peter Stormare, I think, like, since he's front and center, like in those, you see him from every angle, I think he looks amazing. But when the camera hits the one or two odd angles, you get back into that uncanny valley, like, human doll yeah. thing. Yeah. And that's just... I think some of the smiles are like that. I don't some think they can get teeth right. Teeth uh, don't yeah. really, like, it's the the way the shadow plays off the teeth. It just, like, looks, it's not like, you know. The characters all use hand brushes instead of the electric brushes. Yeah, so, like well, like a pine needles. That's what it looks like. They use pine needles. They use pine needles to brush their teeth. That's right. That's what it looks like. So I want to backtrack for a second. Yeah. If you would, indulge everybody. Yeah. Who is Peter Stormare? Well, Justin, I'm glad you asked. Mr. Stormare is an accomplished thespian. <laughs> um, Did you say lesbian? I said thespian. That's not what I heard. <laughs> and um, he's also an accomplished <laughs> lesbian. lesbian. He is that good. I would not doubt him. He is that good. 
Uh, when he puts his mind to something, nothing can stand in his way. So uh, the reason Peter Stormare is like really special, if you've seen him, he's been in a lot of Michael Bay films, and he always plays a really eccentric character. And he has this... Think of him... I think of him as like another sort of Christopher Walken. Yeah. A guy who... who plays a certain type of character, and then now, at this point, he's playing caricatures of himself. Yeah, that's his Of his overacting, you know? So, in uh, Bad Boys 2, he plays uh, uh, the Russian gangster. Uh, In the Armageddon, he plays the Russian astronaut. Cosmonaut. The cosmonaut, that's right. (laughs) Russian parts, American parts, all made in Taiwan. Yeah, exactly. Best line in the movie. I think it was Taiwan. Uh, It's Taiwan, yeah, that's right. Um... He's uh, he's pretty amazing, and uh, and Bay uses him. He's used him in a couple of movies, and and he's done. He's actually done one serious drama called uh, Small Town Murder Songs. It actually takes place in Ontario, Canada. Really, and it's a phenomenal, phenomenal movie. And uh, it's and he does a great job. He he uh, he's a great dramatic actor, and he's he demonstrates that there. Um, but the other scene that I remember him for, that I just I love him in, is at the end of Constantine. Yes, playing uh, Satan, and as soon as that, as soon as he comes down, and that's because you don't actually see his face, like his feet with the tar coming yeah, down first, yeah. and he's in like a dirty white suit. It's it wasn't great. even dirty; it was dirty at the very oh, yeah, bottom, just, just where the tar was. Everything else was it's great, crisp. I thought that's a really great concept for what lucifer would look like yeah like it's he's covered up like yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. he's hiding something he's hiding his true nature uh but then the camera zooms up and it's fucking peter stormare and his delivery in that scene it's perfect it's so good oh man he just he's chewing scenery up like crazy and he does this thing he's like <laughs> this is, he just can't see what back. he's like he's always like he's always doing something weird with his mouth and his tongue sometimes yeah. he just kind of like and he, you know, he straightens his mouth out or whatever. You guys can't see what I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing a, I'm doing an impression. But, um, yeah, it's these weird ticks that he's got that make him so memorable. So in this game, he gets front and center as this psychiatrist whose segments are uh, dispersed throughout the the entirety of the game. The camera, the camera angle is as if you are the, uh, the patient. Yes. So all you're looking at is first person. And you're just looking across a desk at Peter Stormare being Peter Stormare in a video game as Peter Stormare. Stormare. Yeah, like three levels deep. It is yeah. the inception <laughs> of, of Peter Stormare. The Stormare. Stormception. The st- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so we've got these, these, and you can't really, you don't really know what's going on. You're getting thrown into these uh, psychiatry sessions where you're choosing from Rorschach paintings, ink blots, characters, what are you afraid of, he's yeah. asking, cockroaches or clowns or scarecrows. And that stuff that you choose in that session pops up in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clown thing pops up, the scarecrow thing pops up when we were choosing it. Yeah. It's very, very cool. Um, so the first half of this game has got all that stuff, and then you realize um, that this whole first half is actually just kind of a hoax. Spoiler alert. The brother is actually responsible for setting up all of the ghostly sounds, for setting up the fake newspaper with the psychopath on the loose. He's setting up his own death, actually. There's a scene where you have to choose who's going to die. And I don't know what would happen if you chose the other person. 
because there's two people. One is the brother and one is some other character. And I think that character can change depending on your choices in the psychiatrist session. But uh, the game's got to force you to kill the brother. I would bet money on it. Yeah. yeah. So They'd basically if you try to do it, then the killer will say, uh-uh, no, 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 and like switch it to... The uh, switch it to the to the brother, and he gets chopped in half. And what is an gory scene in which he's screaming so much, yet you find out later that it's a fake body, and yep. that he's just like you know the old the old trap door trick where he's got like a fake body and he just sticks his head through a hole in the back there, and the bod the fake body gets chopped chopped in half. And he's done this elaborate setup because he thought he would. I'm not even sure what his motivation was. I think he was just kind of crazy. He was kind of crazy. It wasn't malicious, but he... But he's but he's also uh, off yeah, his rocker. I'm trying to remember. Oh, he's completely off his rocker. Yeah, he's totally off his rocker. It oh, he was trying malicious. to make a movie. That Yeah, that's, that's what it was. What it was. That was, was yeah, so he yeah, had yeah. cameras set up everywhere, and yes. he was making a film, and he, they, he's like, they're going to be famous, mm. or I'm going to put this on, I'm going to edit it all together, it's yeah. going to be amazing, you guys played your roles brilliantly. Right. But what he doesn't know is that one of them was a legitimately taken in a very violent fashion and dragged into the woods. Right. There are these, uh, the, the, basically you've got like three sets of stories going on all in the background. You've that's got, right. well, technically four, I guess. Which is the origin of one. You've got a sanitarium that gets discovered throughout the, the, the game. And yeah. basically the per- person going through it is realizing, oh, there's this is an old sanitarium and they were experimenting on people. Yes. Um, you've got some crazy person in the woods who's armed with a flamethrower and these huge goggles, face, cu- face is all covered with a mask. And they're just storming around. You don't really know what they are doing. Then yeah. you've got what seems to be this crazy clown person, which ends up turning out to be yeah, the brother. The brother. Yeah. And then some other thing is going on. There's some monster out there. It yeah. seems. It, it, I'm it, being I'm being purposely vague to. Yeah, we're but, get, we're gonna get into it. Yeah. But basically, uh, yeah. So you've got this in the first half. You're slowly discovering this stuff, and each of these storylines has a clues page dedicated to it in the menu. So on top of the totems, you actually find clues. You find family photos. You find patient descriptions. You find patient videos. And it really does pay to read. I, I loved it. Yeah. I love that part, man. I love if the If you don't do that, you're part. not getting the full experience yeah, of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Take like, your time. Take your time take when your you're playing time. this game. Read the stuff. It really immerses you in the mythology of the game. And I and I guarantee you there is a mythology. And it goes beyond just yeah. teen cliched stuff. And uh, um, the the clues page actually uh, updates as you find more stuff, so you can read more. And at least one point in the game, a the reading the clues page actually saved one of our characters, and I'm going to get to that in a little bit. So you find out it's the brother, and what ends up happening is the one guy says no, but someone was taken. Like my girlfriend was, you know, oh my god, she wait, she's taken. She's like squeezed through a window. I can't All believe right. she lived. Yeah, I kept it, and she lived to the end of the game, which is insane. Um, so they have like quick time events when you're running and chasing after her. You got to hit triangle. That was as nerve wracking as it got. Oh, good lord! So in terms of gameplay, I know we're flopping between plot and gameplay, but gameplay, you've got your quick time events. You've got your exploratory mode where you're just like wandering around looking for shit for glowy stuff, which I mean is kind of a cop out, but it is what it is. And then you've got your don't move the controller moments. Which I'm still very sour about, because I thought I wasn't moving the controller, and my favorite character, who I'm 100% in love with, died an awful, awful death due to my incompetence. 
Hayden Panettiere, rest in peace. God bless her. <laughs> oh. I wish we were filming this because oh, yeah. you look like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, uh, she's great. I loved her in Scream 4, and I'm like, I'm so happy she's in this game, and I'm 100% she's going to be in her panties at some point. And there she is, running around with a towel on after taking a bath. So, I don't know. This game is just amazing, and it combines all the things I love. Horror, mythology, and naked, hidden penitaire. So Game sprite. Games. Well, <laughs> game sprite. So not real hidden penitaire. But, uh, but yeah, so there are moments where you have to keep the controller completely still. You know? There are moments where you're watching a cinematic, and you're frightened because you forgot you were playing a video game, and the game asks you to do something, like a quick time event, and the controller is like a foot away from you. Oh, that was that was a that was <laughs> a, a far poor. <laughs> sorry, just sorry. Go folks. go higher, go higher. Uh, oh, really? Okay, this is this is this is what Telemerdura sounds like poured from a foot above a glass. That is a lot. I have to split that with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We're recording in the uh, the the Welcome to Your Doom studio, which is about a thirty minute drive, give or take, from both of our our houses. Yeah. There we go. Uh, Even it out. There's still beer left. Uh, on top of the Tullamore Dew, to completely switch topics, we're also f- drinking some, uh, right now, this is a double dry hopped uh, IPA. It's called Freeze Frame from Halo Brewery, a little, little brewery off of, uh, uh, off of Symington in Toronto, just outside of the junction. So Yeah, and uh, Big Halo. show it to Halo. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great, it's a, it's a good spot, it's a good oh, spot. Yeah. Anyways, back to the game. Yes, so um, we, we get into the, uh, so there are multiple modes of, of playing, but you're also frightened into playing and super tense, because if you screw up one of these quick time events, it can literally mean the death of a character. Yeah. Which we will also get to shortly. Fuck. So then the second half of this game kicks off, where you find out that there is experimentation going on. There was a mine back in the day, like 30 years ago or whatever, a mine that had a lot of miners in it and it collapsed and the miners were stuck down there for a couple of weeks, maybe. When he says miners, he means people that work in mines, not children. Miners, not miners. (laughs) (laughs) What does he say? He's like, those must be the miners. Yeah, they're like nine years old. Miners, not miners. Galaxy Quest, guys, if you haven't seen that movie, 100% watch it. An excellent, excellent science fiction comedy. I'm thinking of Louis C.K. when he's like, yeah, I was having sex with a miner. And then the whole crowd just pulls back and be like, oh, and he's like, I didn't mean a miner. I meant a miner. A miner. <laughs> and then he moves on. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, it. That's, that's, that's awful. Um, <clears throat> yes, so a bunch of miners who are not, who are, who are not miners... Uh, axe pick wielding adults. Adults. Let's yes, call them right. that. Yeah. The axe pick wielding adults. Yeah. The mine collapses and they get stuck down there for a couple of weeks, what it seems, and they get saved after, and then they get taken to the sanitarium because a lot of them are suffering from delusions, right? They find out later that they oh like I think you you piece this together as the clues are coming yes. in. You get a count of you get actually get a day shift for the miner for the mining list. And what's highlighted is the fact that there were thirty miners. And then when uh, when you get how many were entered into the sanitarium and it's only like 18, right? And you're like, okay, well, what happened? They said all the miners survived, blah, 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 all this stuff. You find out that cannibalism was 
at fault. The miners started eating each other while they were down there. There was no source of food. When they came back, they were changed. That's where this mythology comes in. And you get the Native American, like classic Native American mythology in the Wendigo. Mm -hmm. And the consumption of another human being. And when you consume another human being, you steal a little bit of their soul and you become a soul-stealing monster, essentially. So as the game unfolds and you explore the sanitarium, you find more and more clues about this. And then you get openly attacked by one of these Wendigo. This flamethrower-wielding... Uh, pyromaniac is actually someone who's been hunting the Wendigo and trying to save you guys, which is you called that. What what tipped you off on that? I just had a feeling. Um, it just I don't know. It was too. There there was a cutscene where you are playing as the jock character. I can't remember his name. Yeah. And you ha- are armed with a shotgun or a rifle rather. And there's this shot from the distance where it's like you're chasing him because he seems to be running away from you. I think something happened where he saw him and he thought he was the guy to blame for whatever was troubles he was happening. Yeah. And he was chasing him, but it didn't seem like when they when you had the crosshairs come up for that yeah. quick time event and you had to, you know, aim for the guy and shoot, he just didn't seem threatening. There was something about him that just seemed off. Yeah. Like it didn't seem like you You, you didn't shoot him. No, I didn't remember, shoot him. Yeah, exactly. you didn't. You didn't. Because, you had because the there was something about it. It was like he's not I'm not a hundred percent sure he was the one that was after me. Yeah, you know, they were, that was that was my my logic before. Interesting, yeah, because so, I remember I was like, "Fucking blow him away, man!" Like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> and you're like, "No, I'm not going to shoot him." I'm like, "Just for the record, I disagree with you." Yeah, um, but you know, it turns out that he's trying to help you, and he is played by, and I've forgotten the name because oh, it's driving me nuts now. Jeez, yeah, um, and I met this guy multiple times. Oh my god. You're next. What was he? Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we have to look this up. This will, sorry, this will not stand. Yeah. This guy's done so much good work that Yeah, he really has. He's been a he's been Fessender. Fessenden. Larry Fessenden. Larry Fessenden, yeah. We got that without actually looking it up. Yes, that's right. I there we go. I'm, I'm on wind, so nothing. I almost said Fassbender, but <laughs> that's very different. Slowbender. Michael oh. Slowbender. <laughs> Larry Slowbender. Larry Slowbender. I don't know. I got nothing. All right. <laughs> anyway. We know who he is now. Larry Fessenden. So Larry Fessenden. Fessenden. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Tell him or der. Tell All right. Or continue. So uh, Larry Fessenden plays this character and he gives you some history on the Wendigo. But interestingly, they decide to not let him spill all the beans. Like he doesn't actually tell you too much. He tells you just enough yeah. to explain it. And in the next scene, immediately gets killed off. <laughs> yeah. He gets his head sliced clean off. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the site of our first blunder, our first death in the game. Justin, take it away as you are solely responsible for this one. Well, I was, at that point in the game, we were playing as the nerdy dude who was interested in the other somewhat nerdy. She was nerdy. She is a little bit. She's a little nerdy. Yeah, she was, she Anyways, was cool. The other, the other nerdy one. Oh, yeah, they were both cool. Yeah. And uh, poor fella is running away from two Wendigo. Yeah, yeah. Just one? Yeah. Two, I think. There was, a, there was multiple. And it was one of those quick time events where you got to shoot, and I was a split second too slow on what seemed like the very last shot I yes. had to take. Like it so seemed we were like almost the back at the we're almost back at the cabin, yeah. and I think if you had shot the Wendigo, we, he would have blown back, and he would have run inside. Yeah. Um, That's not to say we might not have killed him off in the 
at the, at the end scene where Madame Pan- sure. Panettiere. Madame? Pan- Madame Panettiere? Pan- Panettiere? I think that's, I, honestly, I have no idea how to pronounce her last name, so I could be pronouncing it completely wrong. The cheerleader. We, yes. The, the, yeah, you get it. Yeah. Anyway, save the cheerleader, save the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where it was. I That chaffed my ass for the rest of the game. The whole time, yeah. I'm like, fuck, I could have shot that. When to go. Yeah, uh, because the way you get like when you when your characters die in this game, they die. Oh, they uh, it's they rough. do a good job. It's it's pretty rough and it's it's yeah. Like this guy, he gets pulled to the ground and the thing just like twists his head off and throws it to the to the porch where the girl who he's interested in, who was interested in him, is like waiting and screams when she sees his head. Excessive to say the least. Which is, uh, actually, I give this game credit. Like, uh, there are a lot of death scenes which we didn't see because we played the game, I think, fairly well for a first playthrough. We ended up, yeah, on the first playthrough, we got, like I said, probably about two... Two Two thirds of the... Well, yeah, two thirds of the totem and two two deaths. Two deaths. And one of them was completely unearned. I thought... uh, Anyway, we'll get to that one later. But, uh, yeah, that was the first death. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, what the fuck? He's dead. Yeah. You were pretty pissed off. I was not happy. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. I think the problem with it is the fact that the aiming sections, do you have to aim with the right stick? Or did you aim with the left stick? Oh, what was it? There was something that You were holding me. a trigger like you would do to aim yeah. in, a, in like a Call of Duty or like a Gears of War where you where you aim. Yeah. And uh, that's not this game. And you're pulling- At that point, I think that was the first time too I had actually started shooting things. No, no, no. What it, what it was... You, if you were holding down another button, that's right. You couldn't aim, or it slowed yeah, things down, or yeah, something like uh, that. That yeah. that affected me. Not to say that I would have. I I cut it very close. Yeah. <laughs> if it was a split second off, I might have been able to hit it. But at the same time, if I wasn't making that mistake, maybe yeah. I, I would have aimed too fast, and it would have been just a mess. So I I'm guess not the gonna point- ba- blame the game mechanics on it, yeah. but. The fact that if I'm holding down one trigger and I can't actually move to aim, that's a bit of a friggin' problem. Yeah. The. Uh, all in all, I guess what we're trying to say is the game is challenging if only because it fucking tries to surprise the shit out of you every time and everything that is meaningful is actually on a, on a, on a timer. Yeah. So these are, I mean, some people are not going to like this. They're not going to like the fact that this is the reason the game is challenging. Really, it's kind of a cop-out, you know? Yeah. But I enjoyed it because I was getting into the game. We were playing this, like, couch co-op style together, drinking, like, just enjoying the whole atmosphere. The 5.1, the sounds, the surround sounds are immaculate. Yeah, we forgot to mention that. Very, very well done. Play, you know, turn down the lights and uh, turn on the 5.1 surround sound. All of the uh, surround speakers are live with with audio and the sound and uh, the uh, voice directions all really, really great. Um... But I was, you know, so into it. I loved it. I loved the, the quick time stuff. I loved the horror atmosphere and uh, the the cliched stuff along with the, you know, the, the progressive stuff that they put in there. So first death attributed to, I think, what was probably, you know, not wonderful game design, yeah. in my opinion. Um, but uh, we were sure to keep our eye out for sessions, for, for things like that later. And um, subsequently only had one more death. So anyway, uh, moving along with the plot... Um, the Wendigos take out the flamethrower man, take out one of our friends. We end up reading. Now, this is the cool part. You read this guy's journal and you find out stuff about the Wendigo. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about the Wendigo 
is that it can mimic the voice of someone it has heard. Oh, yeah. Right? So if you don't read his journal, you never know this. And there's an explicit scene where you're walking around in the caves and you hear your friend's voice calling out to you for help. If you didn't know that they could do that, 100% you would go out there. And I've watched a YouTube video of what happens. There's a trap door and she's like, oh, let me out of here. I'm stuck. You open it and you look in, jump scare. This thing jumps out and tears your fucking face off. It's brutal. It's brutal. Um, And we knew that. Remember you said, don't do it. Yeah. Because you literally just, you like, if you, you had the opportunity to read the, the journal just yeah, before that, yeah. you literally just read that. It, it wasn't even mimic. just before that. It was just a little bit before. Like it was like, it wasn't like right before. No, it was maybe an hour before that. Really? I mean, uh, it, was little, it, was, it was a little, it was a while Maybe before. 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, cause, cause you mm, go, you go into the, yeah, you go into the, the catacombs. No, like it was longer than that though. I remember. For sure. It oh, was maybe. longer than that. Not Maybe not an hour, but it was definitely longer than 15. Yeah. It might have been a half hour, which is quite a bit of gameplay. Right. It, realistically, it's not a ton of gameplay in general. It's That's just right. it's a lot of movie and a lot of story that goes through. So, yeah, it's you got to pay attention to that stuff. And it's, wor- it's worth your time exploring. Because, I mean, the set designs and whatnot without, w- w- was just... It was really good. It was just yeah, really very, well very uh, big attention to detail. Um it was just super well done. You could tell the people that were making this game actually cared about the content. Oh, yeah. They and really making a universe and a mythos that is coherent and uh, and very detailed. Yeah, they really tried to circumvent things. I know it's it, the plot is a little sloppy in its transition. It's kind of like it, yeah, it does a 180 very in like the middle of the game. Yes. But it does try to set up that there's something more going on. Like you obviously saw into that. It gave us enough clues yeah. that something else is going on. Connect the dots here. Yeah. Um, so moving along, you find out, uh, you basically have an opportunity. Like the other thing about the game is there are choices that you obviously will not make. I think that the Asian girl gets bitten by the Wendigo, right? And then she comes back and you're like, oh my God, she's going to turn into a Wendigo. They start this sort of paranoia thing. Shooting her is an option. Without any knowledge or backstory. It's Without just zero literally knowledge. just like, I think she might. What do you have to base that on? Nothing. Nothing. Let's okay. shoot her in the face. Yeah. <laughs> like, so that's an option. And I just don't see a lot of people choosing it. Hmm. Maybe maybe somebody will, but uh, I I just didn't I didn't get it. I'm like, oh, I don't think anybody would ever actually ever actually do this. Yeah. There are other choices where I could see people going the other way instead of going the way we went, but uh, but yeah. So some of that stuff where I was like, I don't think they didn't put a lot of thought into those decisions where it's like they're obviously not going <laughs> to shoot her. Yeah. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, one of our listeners shot her dead where she stood. And then she was a bit of a bitch. So she was hundred percent. If they did that, they might not have done it trying to make her live. They might have been like, just knock her. She needs to go. She needs to go. Yeah. Um, What's her line? Understand the palm of my face, bitch. (laughs) Right, like slaps her in the face. It's fucking. She was the worst. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So moving along, so you find out that the you find again you find out subsequent clues, and uh, you find out. Uh, that one of the sisters was alive the hot after one. the after the fall. They were twins. They were twins. <laughs> right. So you find out one was alive, and you find out in her journal that she couldn't get out of these caverns that she had fallen into, and that 
she was getting hungry and she buried her sister but then after a week or two or whatever she had to dig her sister up and ate her and it's been what a year it's been a year it's been a year since that time so it's been a year since then and she's gone full wendigo yep and uh you can actually recognize her. So now if you learn enough about her and make the connection between her and the sisters and her brother, you actually change the ending slightly. So um, you find that out. You find out the brother is absolutely batshit insane. Uh, The brother gets taken by the sister Wendigo, right? And you don't know what she does with her. You end up back at the... uh, You you end up back at the... um, I was about to say the apartment. Yeah, the the, the cottage. A big, big, nice, big old cottage. You end up back at the cottage, but the Wendigos have followed you there. And you get the last stand in the cottage. And uh, they're affected by fire. Yeah. So you have this whole last stand thing that's set up, and it's quite complicated. When you guys go to run out of the cottage, you break the gas line. Right? It's the gas line. It's the furnace line. Yes. Cut it. And you go to run out to blow the cottage up. But on your way out, you see one of these fuckers on, a, on the chandelier. The Wendigos have fallen you in. And he's hanging out the chandelier. One thing you learn about the Wendigos is that they can't see you if you don't move. T-Rex syndrome, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Which, is that, has that actually been scientifically proven? Or did somebody that was making Jurassic Park just go, you know what? T-Rex can't see you if you don't move. I think it's hard to... Uh, to full, you know, to basically guess at the optics of a animal that lived sixty five million years ago. What if they saw? What if they found a, an eye? Maybe there was like a like a preserved eye. Preserved eye, of course. Like the eye of a T Rex. Yeah, why not? Fully preserved. Yeah, right next to the skeleton bones of the T Rex with an eye patch. Hire a T Rex. Captain uh, Jack Rex. <laughs> Pirate T-Rex. There's a there's a story idea in there. 100%. Right? Yeah. yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean 6. Jurassic boat? <laughs> there's, Can you there's imagine a just a Jurassic boat? Just, just, it's just a from the like Jurassic period. Barbosa is like a brontosaurus. They need to make that movie. They've already made five of these fucking things. Well, yeah, I well, guess they're well, going yeah, to the make recent it. one just came out, right? Okay, um, I'm not going to go on too much of a tangent. Yeah, let's so not. Let's, let's not. Let's, let's, st- let's stay on target. We're almost done here. So <laughs> the the game, you get up to the penultimate scene in the end of the game where you know you've got the Wendigo all over the place, and these Wendigo are running around, and then Big Mama Wendigo, which is the sister for some reason, is bigger than the other ones. She comes in and she starts attacking the Wendigo, and they start fighting. And uh, you use this opportunity to cut the gas line and you're going to like turn the lights on. You turn the lights on, you're going to get a spark because all the glass is broken and you're going to, this house is going to explode. You have these options to wait to do it or not to wait. And the sister's (coughs) wandering around like sniffing and you have to hold the controller super, super steady and whenever you have to wait. That's where casualty number two hit us. That's right. Hit us hard, my friends, for... Hayden Penetier was the victim. You do it three times. You say, okay, don't turn the lights on yet. And each of the times you wait, the Wendigo gets closer to you and starts sniffing around. You run and hide, and it's sort of like sniffing around, screaming at the camera and stuff. And another character escapes. Yeah. 
right? If you do it early, you'll kill the characters by exploding them inside the house with, with the Wendigo. On the third time, and I'm pretty sure that was the last time. Was it the last? I think maybe there was one more. There was one more. Um, I was holding the controller so steady, but I didn't realize. I didn't even notice. Is it you can see yourself moving on the screen? You could, yeah. Like I so wasn't. I was look. I was honestly like closing my eyes to like hold the controller steady. I wasn't looking. That was probably it. You know what it was? Is you probably were lowering your hands a little bit over time, and that was detecting. Because I think that might have been what it looked like on the screen. Basically, what the screen looks like is you've got like. Let's say a pencil outline of the um, triangle, uh, of the not light. not just the it's triangle. Triangle light, right? Th- that that's kind of the thing in the middle of the pencil. The yeah. pencil's the whole controller on its own, and then in the middle you have that light that is oh, at the back yeah, of the PS4 yeah. control. And I think it was slowly starting to sag. Oh, okay. and that's what probably got you. So that's why whenever whenever I got those slow motion things, I would just lock up, but I'd be just staring at the screen to see if that thing's moving. Yeah, I didn't know. I wasn't I was just kind of like looking at what's happening, looking yeah. cuz the stuff that's happening on the screen is meant to like unnerve you. Yeah. Cuz Wendigo is like creeping around the corner and it's facing the camera and screaming and we've got the sound up and it's yeah. like really it's like filling the whole audio space and it's like you know, it's saliva is going all over the camera, stuff like that. That was just me spitting. <laughs> 4D. 4D. 4D until dawn requires a very, a very saliva-filled Justin next to you, and he can spit on you whenever the Wendigo is spitting at the camera. Just call me. I'll be there. <laughs> I'm here for the until dawn saliva party. <laughs> so... Um, I was really surprised when it happened because I didn't know that I had moved. And it happened, and she sticks her hand through Penetier's midsection there and out the other end. And I was like, I was honestly, like, traumatized. Because then what happens after that is that uh, since they were the last two, Mike, the last guy, yeah, Mike. turns on the light, jumps out, of the, jumps out of the thing, kills the last of the Wendigo, and they all get rescued. It is Dawn. And uh, then they over the credits, they play a sequence of interviews that are being taken with the, the cast, and they react to the interview questions appropriately. If characters have died that they care about, they have dialogue for that. If, and then this is how we knew we made the right decision about uh, the friend calling for help in the cavern. Because yeah. the friend who was being mimicked, the one who was calling for help, was getting interviewed. And the interviewer is like, well... Um, they, one of your other friends said they heard you in the caverns, like yelling for help. And she's like, no, I was never there. Like I was never screaming for help. I was actually keeping quiet. It was actually kind of eerie the way she said it too. Yeah. Cause she, I think she knew like that the thing was, maybe she knew like when the guy says like, no, like I wasn't doing that. Yeah. And that's when we realized and we're like, holy shit. Like that was for real. Yeah. Like it was very, very well performed by voice actor on that one. Yeah. Like that, it, it. I remember that. Oh, it like, gave me goosebumps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It gave me goosebumps. And I knew like, I knew we were right on that, like 100%, because obviously she made it up. So I'm like, immediately, I'm like, yeah, sure, we definitely yeah. made the right decision. But just the way, between, there was some music playing, just subtle music in the background, and the way the voice actor delivered that, it just, it gave me goosebumps. Like, the, oh, yeah. you're 100% right. Yeah. Really well performed. Yes. Um, and then you get you get this uh, end credit sequence. Oh, sorry. So one last thing: the yeah. Peter Stormare interview sequences never really get explained, but you get it gets revealed that the person you are playing in those in those uh, sessions is actually the brother, and it's all occurring in 
his head. Yes. These interview sessions. And they have this really gnarly scene where he just, he loses it in the, in the caves and he's running around and they have these like crazy things where his, his sisters, sisters, his dead sisters show up and they're, then and and like it's really fucking eerie and like creepy and way over the top and he's just completely losing it. Then he gets taken by his like the Wendigo the, the, that is his sister. Now, if you learn enough about the connection, if you discover that she is the sister, if you get enough of the clues that discover that she is the sister, which we did, which we did, Boom. yeah, the brother recognizes the tattoo. Yeah. And she says her name and she recognizes him. So Mm -hmm. she takes him away. If you don't, she simply kills him. Right. So in ours, he, she takes her, she takes him away and like you never, you never see him again. But then at the end credit sequence, after the credits are done, you get like the team that's uh, looking through the caves and like exploring them after they've been discovered and you find him gnawing on the bones of a body. Uh, in the caverns and he's starting to turn into a, a Wendigo and he attacks these two two folks down there. Also, uh, the video gets fully revealed if you got all the clue, all, all the all the totems. We didn't have them all. We had the majority of the video um, but we ended up going to YouTube just to watch the whole video because yeah. we didn't actually get all the totems. And it tells a really groovy story from Larry Fessenden's Hunter Pyromaniac character's point of view where it tells you about how he discovered the Wendigo, he used to work up here at the sanitarium. He survived the killings when they went completely berserk and killed everyone up there. And he's been hunting them ever since. And there was a particular sort of mama bird uh, Wendigo that he was hunting and he ends up killing. Yeah. Um, and uh, he explains things like if you kill them, then their souls disperse and try and find and possess other people. What did you make of that? I was... They put an emphasis on that where you're like, don't kill the Wendigo, cage them up. Yeah, and it didn't really go anywhere, though. It didn't. You see the souls flying out if you kill them. Yeah. But uh, they never, I'm like, oh my God, these guys are going to get possessed. That's what I but thought. They never but actually do it, which exactly. is very strange because they warn you not to kill them. But and it's then like, the other payoff I was hoping for was like, we'd stumble into a room of caged up Wendigos. Yeah. No, but they did have that when they were reaching out from the cages. Oh, Remember? that's yeah, right. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. They yes. did have My apologies. Yeah, he had, they he did. had captured. Uh, a lot of them. Right. Yes, that is totally right. Yeah. The one thing I wanted huh. to t- like yeah, so that's so some plot points, some clues that didn't really amount to much of anything. Um the other thing I wanted to talk about, I know we're like jumping back and forth here real quick. We're not too the, deep. The Wendigo designs, the Wendigo designs and the movement. Fucking amazing. Great, great monster design. They are move like insects. They move like insects. It's not... It's insane. Yeah. Oh, man. Totally awesome. When I think of the Wendigo, I think of, like, the Wolverine... Co- well, technically the Hulk comics, but Wolverine, yeah, yeah. Wendigo, that kind of thing. wolf. Exactly. Deer so person. So, seeing this was a little... It was strange at first, but it totally makes sense. Oh, it was crazy. I they mean, they would, like, jump from one wall to the other super fast. They yeah. Jump, and they, they don't move. They move a little bit, and then... And they, like, yeah. jump from one wall to the other... Great design, great movement design. A lot yeah. of work was done into making their movement very, very unnerving, and they fully 100% succeeded. Really well done. Yeah, I agreed. I thought it was good. If you come in, if you come into the game hearing the name Wendigo and you start thinking of the Marvel Comics kind of um, incarnation, 
it's a little strange to look at at first, but trust me, once you start getting into the game, it's, you get over that pretty damn fast. Yes, Because it, right. it totally makes sense in it. And yeah. the thing is, it's consistent. If yeah. you start off telling me, this is what a Wendigo looks like, even if I've seen a Wendigo in another um, medium, I'll yeah. look at it and be like, that doesn't look like the Wendigo I know. <laughs> but this whole time, that looks pretty friggin' badass. Yeah, it's so, very, very well done. They're yeah. extremely menacing. Terrifying. Menacing, for sure. Terrifying because they kill you. Well, mm. I mean, terrifyingly partly because the game mechanics are yeah. one mistake and you're dead. Uh, yeah. But it makes them very deadly and like gives them that air of menace where it's like, I am terrified of these things. I want to not be where they are because I could die very, very easily. Yeah. So, great movement design. Great sound design on their screaming, on their like screeching noise they make. Amazing. Well yeah. done. Um, what about overall? Overall, Overall. In the game. Oh, well, one more thing I wanted to mention specifically oh, yeah, about on. the game. Obviously, they haven't dusted in this place. <laughs> Fuck. Any of these so places. So many particles in the air. There are so many dust particles in the air. It's honestly like... Uh, it, it's like it, it looks like it's snowing. Yeah. In some scenes. In some scenes, yeah. Or Absolutely. that like a volcano just erupted. <laughs> and you've got just like fluttering ashes everywhere. I know what they're trying to do. It's sort of it's it's that sort of old lived-in look that nobody's been here for a while. And you've, they pushed it too far. Yeah, they're they're trying to add texture to scenes that don't need it. Yeah, they pushed it's like it grit. Just, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like I want to build a snowman in like some of these scenes. Like it's just like it's it's magical. That's fucking really sick. dirty magic. It's dirty magic. It's dirty magic. Um. It's it's like the you know a video you see of the deep sea that's filled with like krill, yeah. You know like you know plankton. That's what it's like. You're swimming through one of these things, right? They yeah, you're right. They did it for texture and all that, but honestly, they didn't need it. They didn't need it. No, they, didn't need the, it. they the, had the, enough in there. The story, the the acting, the way that everything is happening. You don't need to throw in extra distractions, which is kind of what I felt about that. Yeah, it was just like every scene I was looking at. Every scene I would comment. I'm like, man, they haven't yeah. dusted, dusted in year and yeah. years. We talked about that a few times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, because they just you know, I don't know. They, they like like you said. It's almost like more is better. More texture is more is better. Like I feel even MKX was like that. And some character designs have like a wetness to them where everyone gets sweaty yeah. all of a sudden, and there's like shiny skin and all that. They get they they, they have the, they need to step step away from that. They need to know when enough's enough. Yeah. Uh, they didn't need all that. Take that dustometer and dial it down by half. Yeah. You can have dust particles, but not a you know like a fog of of dust. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not necessary. Uh, very noticeable and kind of like off-putting. Yeah, it was yeah. it was very front and center. It's comical, actually. It started to become funny. Like it was. Every scene was just like yeah. covered in dust. Absolutely. All right, so overall, I thoroughly enjoyed this game. Mm -hmm. It was everything I wanted it to be. It's the kind of game that it's single player, but you can play as a group. Yeah. Um, it's as good as watching a horror movie with your friends, but it's interactable, right? Interactable. I don't know if that's a word. It's close It's enough. interactive. Right, so um, I love the the atmosphere. The music is great. We didn't really get a chance to talk too much about it, but the the ambient music is really really well done. Um, Pheasanton and, and Glass Eye Picks, these guys produced it. The actors are great. the The story is, the plot is you know it's a little janky, right? It's like you know it does the one eighty in the middle, and you're either with it or you're not. But I bought into it a hundred percent. The game mechanics are barely present. And the, but the clue collecting is really fun. It makes me want to go through all the menus. It makes me want to go through all the butterfly cards to understand how my decisions have affected the story. 
I, I loved it. The graphics are great. Uh, you get to the uncanny valley every once in a while, but, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, really atmospheric. If you love horror movies, if you like adventure games, even like uh, Telltale games or uh, like uh, Police Quest style like games, adventure games. Yeah. Sierra, those old uh, LucasArts games, point and click adventures. This is a great one. This is a great one for you. And I, and I 100% recommend playing with a friend or a group of friends, like five people can yeah. sit down and play this game. Because um, it's like watching a movie. It's like playing a video game. It's great. My my, so I I generally agree with you. I think it was a, it was a fun experience. I really enjoyed it. I thought that the cinematic aspect of it was really good. My only beef with it, and I guess it's just in general of games of this type. Yeah. Um, is it's hard to know when hey gameplay time is coming up versus yeah, yeah. hey it's cinematic time because the thing is is like you're getting comfortable getting into this game. It's like it's holy like, shit! Look at all this like, stuff. Hey, You're, it's like, what's that triangle doing on the screen there? Oh, shit! Yeah, oh, shit, I need to <laughs> hey, press a button. And that's the thing, is, like, you could get, screw up the game completely by not pressing the triangle oh, yeah. for you. Assuming, say you, say you have high standards for yourself. I want everybody to live, which is kind of what we were doing. Yeah, we were trying to get it. And, um, you know, if you don't hit that triangle, fuck, it kind of pisses you off for a bit. Yeah. Right? And But the thing is, is if you're now all of a sudden like, oh, I don't want to miss a button. I don't want to, you know, I can't miss a shot or anything. Death then the whole time you're watching for something else happening and the entire cinematic experience might fly you by a bit. Yeah. Because you're too into like, was well, something going to happen? Is something, oh. Right. Staying on your tones for too long makes it a little bit difficult to enjoy what's happening in the moment. Right. So, but, I mean, that's true of most of these Teletale games. It's just, it would be nice. You were, gonna, you were either, either going to say Teletubby or you were <laughs> going to say Tullamore No. You said Teletale. I was going to say Teletale from the very get-go. But now, because you mentioned that... <laughs> that's aggressive. That was aggressive. That's aggressive. I don't know if I'm going to drink all that. Oh, Anyways, good lord, that's aggressive. So, that's about a... A quart. That's probably a three-ounce pour. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I have to drive. I'm not yeah. dr- <laughs> drinking very much or any of that. Yeah. Anyways, that's the only thing, is it would be nice to get a bit of a fucking heads up. Yeah. If all of a sudden it's like, hey, fuckface, you need to press some buttons. Yeah. That would be nice. I definitely found myself holding the controller and getting, like, tense and sweaty. Yeah. Because, like, I didn't know when a gameplay moment was going to pop up. And... Um, I think that's just something you can't really. I don't know. Somebody will find a good idea, a good way to, a good way to fix that. I just, you know, there um, needs to be like a get ready moment. And and that. But the thing is, is if that happens, then it takes away almost from the cinematic aspect of it. From a little, from you can't get in as ingrained into it because that's the thing. Is like you're watching the the game unfold and it's very cinematic. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, shit, I've got to get into this. And it, it adds a little level of panic to you. Yeah. But if all of a sudden a screen comes up and says, hey, get ready. Yeah. I could see it taking you out of these oh, cinematic experiences as well. Yeah. So that's the thing is it's it, how those mechanics go. I, I don't have a recommendation. Yeah. Did I enjoy it in this game? It's a little tough to say I enjoyed it, but it's I, I didn't not enjoy it. I don't know. It, it, it's hard to describe right. because that's the thing. Is like you've got these tense moments where it's like, oh, something going to happen, something going to happen. Uh, but then you kind of miss what's going on on the screen a little bit. Yeah, that's right. You're so paid. You're paying attention to like when, what do I have to press and when, rather than taking in sort of like the uh, the the atmosphere and the and the and the plot. Exactly. 
I think it adds a little more. I found myself at attention, like paying strict attention. I think we played this game in like three three hour segments, maybe maybe Give or three. Take, yeah. or, Three three-hour segments and one two-hour segment, maybe. Like so that. I was about like 11 or 12 hours, I think, that we put into the game. And yeah. we played it together, couch co-op, like with booze every single time. Yeah. Right? So um, it's about a 12-hour game. I bought it on sale. How much was it? 16 bucks? I don't know. Something fucking great. Do your goddamn finances. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Doing fucking yeah. math. You know, I, I have a lot worse dialogue um, or vocabulary than most so I apologize for my swearing I'm apologizing to them not you you fucking piece of shit <laughs> but uh, you know it, if you could pick it up on sale for 15 bucks or 20 bucks it's, it's a steal a, I think it's, it's a, a great steal. game it's a great it's 12 hours of, of like uh, of, of fun of entertainment you're right the gameplay mechanics might not be for you so learn a little bit about them it is what we're saying it's very spontaneous it's quick time events it's also some meandering about but if you like story, if you like atmosphere, if you love the horror genre even a little bit, this is a game for you. It absolutely is. This is the is. definitive horror game. Although, Friday the 13th, the game just came out. Did you hear about that this week? Did it come out? Yeah, it came out. I've I been keeping an eye on it. I, I, I've been purposefully kind of staying away from it. I'm a big, uh, big slasher film fan. The Friday the 13th series is second only to Halloween for me. Halloween, yeah. But um, I've been purposely staying away from that because I do not want to know. Yeah. That'd be beer. Now you got a whole bunch of head. But I'm ching. Anyways, um, the uh, the Friday the 13th game I've been staying away from because I don't want to hear any spoilers. Yeah. I mean, it's a game. You're probably not, I'm probably not going to hear about that, but I do want to kind of go into it as fresh as possible. Right. Whenever it comes out. Right. So if it's out already... At least I got some. Give it's a multiplayer game, actually. Interestingly enough, so I mean, we'll have another. We'll have another show on it. I think one guy plays as Jason, and then the other care the other folks that are playing the game play as three or four other teenagers. So it's it's four on one. So it's not like a. It's not story driven. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. So that's why I think it might be a good game for LAN party. I think that would be fun. Hell yeah, Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Every year we do a a LAN. Well, it's no longer a LAN party at this point. It's a. It's 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 an end party. We need a network. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a PS Plus party, so basically everyone connects to the internet, and plays games. But uh, last year we played uh, Rainbow Six Rogue Spear. No, that's the I wanted to say Rainbow one. Six. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, Siege. Sorry, Rogue Spear is a really old no. Rainbow Six game, um, and uh, Rainbow Six Siege. And we played Alienation. Alienation. We'll talk about those games separately as well. Alienation is a great game. Um, Anyway, off topic, but definitive horror game. If you love horror, this is a no-brainer. Pick it up. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. You any final thoughts? What's Pheasanton's... Uh, Fez- Damn, I screen it up again. Pheasanton. Pheasanton. Is, uh, what was his production company's name again? Right, so let's uh, let's switch gears here a little bit. Yeah. We're going to have a segment at the end of every show that sort of spotlights something interesting, something interesting either we're doing or that we want to pimp to the masses that uh, we think you guys will be interested in. Uh, this one is, uh, call it Spotlight, maybe call it, 
We still haven't decided yet, but I think maybe call it bonus round, whatever it is. Bonus round. This bonus round like essentially it. is going to be switching. It's going to be myself today, and then the next time Justin's going to bring something into the bonus round that he wants to talk about. But it could be something we've read, something we've played that think people are interested in. In this case, I'm going to tie it back to what we were just talking about for uh, uh, Until Dawn. Uh, Glass Eye Picks is the company that Larry Fessenden runs. And I've met Fessenden several times in New York, once at Comic-Con where I talked to him at length about making movies and, and stuff and all of the movies he's produced. And then I ran into him on the street in East Village, uh, which is where I used to live in New York, and bu- just bumped into him randomly, and I was, you know, we started talking again. Uh, they have their studio. It's in, uh, it's in, it's in Brooklyn, in uh, in New York, and uh, it's called Glass Eye Picks. And they produce this really uh, among all the movies that they've produced. And uh, sorry, I'm gonna, I was gonna get a list here. Um, sorry, I'm not prepared. But uh, did they produce your next? That is right. They produce your next. I'm trying to think. Oh, here you we know go. what I'm trying to think of. Also, uh, this is going back to the game. In the oh, right, screening right. room, there was a there was an that's environment right. where they're basically in the house in the basement. I think it was there was a screening room where there was like you know big you know projector the, yeah. seating, uh, tiered seating, and it's a projector. But some of the posters that were up there were other glass. Well, it's, it's glass eyed picks, right? Is that the glass name? Glass Eye Picks, yeah. yeah. And it's Gla- a bunch of movies that the Gla- Glass Eye Picks has produced right. or, or Fezzenden himself has directed. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Fezzenden did a movie called The Wendigo. And I have a history with this movie. And uh, well, I don't know, I feel like, I don't know if now's the time to talk about it, but Let's save it back for... we'll save it for another time. But um, uh, he did uh, a great movie called The Innkeepers. He produced a movie called The Innkeepers, great movie. I Sell the Dead, which I really love that movie. Uh, I don't think he directed, but he stars in the film. That's the one with uh, uh, Mar- Pippin, Mary, from uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great movie. He did a movie called Beneath and Stakeland is another film that, that he's done. Um, but also he did Your Next. Uh, when I say he did, he produced these movies, and a lot of the times he stars in them. He acted in, in yeah, Your Next. Yeah, he was he in was Your great. Next. Yeah. He's, he's hilarious. He's, he's a really funny guy. He's... Yeah. Interesting. He's basically like a young Jack Nicholson with the crazy hair and crazy smile, but his teeth aren't as nice. Who's are? It's Jack. Jack. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. He's got perfect teeth. But uh, anyway, so they do the, they do a series of audio dramas called uh, Tales from Beyond the Pale. Amazing. Audio dramas in general, an amazing thing if you guys haven't actually partook in those, but basically they're like classic audio dramas, like War of the Worlds, like narrated by Orson Welles audio dramas, where people used to crowd around a radio and listen to stories when there was no TV, essentially. So think of a movie or a TV show um, with all of the production value of, of that presentation, except no visuals. It's all audio-based. And uh, they do, and it's their horror, uh, the genre is horror that they're dealing in. They have three seasons. I think it's about 12 episodes per season. The episodes themselves are about 35 minutes long. And it has a wraparound story with Fezzenden's character being kind of like the Crypt Keeper style, like Tales from the Crypt style Crypt Keeper. Um, really well produced, like a lot of, like a couple of big names in there, like Ron Perlman is in a couple of them, Vincent D'Onofrio is in a couple of them. Um, the guy who plays the tall man from Phantasm. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen Phantasm. I haven't actually. He's That's recently passed away. Rest yeah. in peace. He's uh, he was 
uh, he was an interesting looking dude, man. He's and uh, his voice is just carries is so much gravel in it. Like really great presentation. But if you guys are are interested in that that type of atmosphere, and that's really what it is, they play with the sound space in ways that I haven't heard before. Um, listening to them with a good set of earphones. Actually, we had like a listening party over Halloween two years ago where couple, I played. Couple days. Couple days we did that. Couple nights, really. Yeah, and uh, and I had a bunch of people over, and you know we listened to one of the tales from beyond the pale in my home fe- home theater in the basement, and it really like. Everyone was like, the lights were dim, everyone had a drink, we listened to like a 35 minute episode, and it's engrossing, it's very, very engrossing, and what we listened to, and the one I would recommend you start with, because I absolutely loved it, it was amazing, I think it's the best one, it's called Dead Air. Yes. So if you guys are going to, if you guys are going to start with any one of those, go to the Glass Eye Picks website, and uh, hit the Tales from the On the Pale uh, soundstage. And uh, grab them. They're on. They're on digital. They're on sale. Uh, I don't. I can't remember how much it actually is. The digital sale, but uh, get in there. You've listened to some of them. Like, what do you? What do you think? Not someone who listens to audio dramas all the time. So, as someone who's just listened to a few of the episodes, like uh, maybe you can tell us what you think. Or what they're, they're, they're worth the time. Uh, when you say that they're well produced, that's not an over exaggeration. They are. They're like. You know what it was that was really cool when we were doing it during Halloween is like. Obviously, we we're, lights all go down low, and yeah. we're all just sitting on a couch listening to this going through the 5.1. Yeah. But, like, there's a moment where you just kind of want to sit back, kind of close your eyes, and visualize everything. Yeah. And yeah. it is, they make it very, very easy to do that That's because right. of just, there's there's the atmosphere that they're putting in there through just the, the sound effects, the, 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 um, the intensity of some of the actors that are there that are doing the voices. It's just, they do a very good job of setting up the entire environment. Yes. It's the, um, that's the key. Like setting yeah. that ambiance. If they can't hit that, then the illusion is sort of lost. Gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I would, I mean, Tales from Beyond the Pale, I would recommend it wholeheartedly. Yeah. I mean, especially during a time where, like, like Halloween, listening to a couple brilliant. of those. Oh, yeah. good lord! Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's the, really sensitive. Dead Air was fantastic. Yeah, that was a good um, one. That was a good one. You know what? It's funny when we were watching uh, Krampus. No, it wasn't Krampus. It was uh, the the Halloween. Oh, goodness, the Christmas the Christmas, Christmas horror story. Christmas horror yeah. story. Yes, and a Canadian. Uh, a Canadian anthology horror film, which right. is pretty good. You guys should see it. Maybe we'll talk about it. But, yeah, that, that'd be. A, that, I'd love to talk about that. The um, but uh, Dead Air for some reason we had seen that after we had listened to Dead Air. We'd listened yes. to Dead Air yeah. first, and um, what's his name? William Shatner is doing this, oh, the, the this radio host DJ thing That's on right. uh, in the movie. Yeah, all I could think of was that. Yeah, oh, so that Dead Air. To, yeah, to, to, so the, I'm watching a movie. That has something very mysterious and very interesting going on with a big name actor that I recognize, and all I could think of was that radio. It was dead air. Well, like yeah, the radio it was play. dead air. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's cool. So man. that I mean that 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 to me that's a testament to how much that sticks to you. This was a year. This was probably at least a year after. Uh, this would have been ex- exactly, exactly a year. Yeah, exactly so. a year yeah. after that. Yeah. And I hadn't listened to it since then. And as soon as I saw William Shatner in there talking about. Some eerie stuff happening in the movie. Yeah, it reminded that's you of Dead Air immediately. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, so cool. that that's that's a testament to how good that was. There's there's a bunch of other ones. There was a uh, uh, gutter mouth. The gutter mouth. Yeah, that was, that was the one I was thinking of. Yeah, too. that one was pretty good. I, yeah, and they all are very different. Some of them like even go science fiction. Yeah. Um, some of them go horror. Some of them go um, like drama horror. Like you know, it's. 
it runs the gamut of, of uh, even comedy. They even yeah. put in a bunch of comedy in there. So really well done. One other thing I want to highlight about them, they've got great art. So they have a lot of these prints that they're on sale for mm-hmm. art they've created for each of the stories. I ended up getting a lot of the art for free at Comic-Cons. I was talking to him a lot. I bought two seasons, the sets. He's like, dude, you should take some of these prints. Really nice guy. He's like, take some. Take take a print Take a print of everything. So I have all these prints of this really immaculately well done art for, uh, for a lot of these stories. And, uh, you know... I'm, you know, hoping one day to frame them all and put, you know, put, put them somewhere where everyone can see them. But really nice guy. Um, great product in Tales from the On the Pale. I'm really, I'm, there's three seasons out now. I'm really eagerly anticipating the fourth season. And you guys should go out, listen to it, buy it from them, support them, because it's a, it's a really cool, interesting thing that they're doing in the whole sort of radio play uh, genre. Are they doing another season? I, I think so. so, yes. I was reading about them warming up to another season. They've done episodes here and there, yeah. like bonus episodes here and there. And they also, like, they perform sometimes live, these uh, sessions in New York. I that was never so able dope. to see them when I was out there, but uh, but I'm hoping to, if I read about that they're doing it, I'm probably, I'll am probably probably just fly down and, and check it out because it's very, very cool. Um, All right. So Tales okay. from Beyond the Pale, go check them out. If you have not uh, listened to it before, it is... 100% worth listen and support these I mean it's it's small it's indie right I mean that's pretty much what it is yeah small shop and a lot, again a lot of these big actors that, that come out for, for this stuff so it's uh, it's pretty cool to hear there's one episode and I'll throw this out there where Mar- Mary and Pitt- Pippin from Lord of the Rings are playing two characters who are out filming like a, a live uh, like a Dangerous Animals show. Yeah. And it's the first time they've ever acted in anything together since Lord of the Rings. It's like literally that episode is like the first time they've done it. I think it was called, I think it's called Natural Selection, but don't, don't quote me on that. It's an, it's a fun story too. So that's one I haven't listened to on my end. So I, then maybe at some point I'll have to listen to that. It's pretty groovy. But yes. So Tales from the On the Pale. Check it out. For sure. Okay. I think that about does it for, uh, for the first episode of Welcome to Your Doom. Until next time, I'm Atul Katru. It's Justin Carcassoli. See you guys next time. Take care.